hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. After a reasonably long break between episode two and three, whilst Mr. Jeff and I put the world to rights, <laughs> or not, as <laughs> the case may be, um, we are here for episode three of The Curse of Peladon. Mr. Jeff, are you enjoying The Curse of Peladon to date? I always do. It's It's... It's another one of those Doctor Who stories that's just putting cosy slippers on and being told a fantastic tale uh, and just being snug and warm and lovely. Well, I don't think I've ever done this to you before because I've not had the opportunity, but now I'm going to do it and it's a bit unfair. But if you could please just get the... Just to see that you've been paying attention, all right? We've been talking throughout this whole thing. If you could please tell us what has occurred in The Curse of Peladon to date, please. As we go All sorts three. of stuff. Um, Arcturus has been sabotaged, or has he? Um, we've had collapsing statues. We've had Grun being imposing. We've had um, lots of Peladon poncing around in his velvet and he's looking <laughs> lovely, bless him. Um, we've had Joe infiltrating the Ice Warrior's bedroom, being held prisoner, and then escaping in a daring balcony escape. It's It's been all go, actually. All go, I'll tell you. You forget how much actually happens in this story until you realise that you've talked through half of it. I know. <laughs> and we've managed to come up... So much goes on. The length and breadth of Doctor Who, style, genres, colours, visuals. I mean, what is there left to talk about? Well, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. Um, if you would, if you'd be daring enough to count us into episode three, please. I will be daring enough. Okay, are you ready? Would you do it in? Um, would you do it in Alpha Century numbers, please? <laughs> no, I've got too deep a voice for Alpha Centauri. I should do it with a sibilance. Hmm. Um, no, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, so in five, four, three, two, one. Right, you've got to do that next episode now, and everyone's heard me say that to you because we were recording. So, (laughs) okay, so you know, I always, I'll always um, interrogate you into an episode because it's a good way to stimulate conversation. Yeah, is this a science fiction story or a historical? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I would say it's a science fiction historical. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely elements of both, isn't there? It's got a beautiful medieval feel, but with this 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 scoping, spanning uh, federation above it, it's it feels like a historical. It looks like a historical. Until you look at the Ice Warriors and Alpha and Arcturus, uh, it's it could just as easily be both, couldn't it? It's, it is literally uh, the best of both worlds. It's a Doctor Who science fiction story that's leaning into the BBC's ability to realise a historical. Absolutely. Maybe that's part of why it does look so good, because it's playing to the BBC's strengths um, with historicals. They can get away with using uh, 
those those looks and feels of of a pure historical story or, or a story set in a historical setting, but then stick an ice warrior in there. Well, actually, do you know, because I think there are parallels between the style of dialogue in, say, this, like the court scenes, and yeah. the style of dialogue in something like the crusade in the scenes between Joanna and the king. There's, there's, so, so even like the way this is written is leaning into the historical genre, I think. Absolutely, it is, yeah. And, the way that it's played is leaning into it's it's done absolutely um straight it, there's no real tongue in cheek in this story at all apart from maybe the glint in the eye from pertwee from time to time it's um oh he, david troughton is absolutely acting his socks off as if he was performing shakespeare yeah. as well, if he I, was in I, the theater point isn't it is that they can bring in all these really strong guest actors because they're essentially playing Shakespeare like you know that's a bit pretentious to say that but they're essentially playing a historical drama it's space spear isn't it it's um there you go that's your new genre it's space spear I mean it's there's Shakespeare a huge in space between this and like maybe not calling it space but go back to the story before that which was last set in space, which was the Space Pirates. And everybody's talking in over-the-top American accents. I am General Nikolai Hermack, you know. And there's not really the space to have, like, you know, really strong guest performances because it's all a bit broad and a bit ridiculous. Whereas this, this you, can, you can act in this, you know? Yes, yeah. And again, it comes back to that sense of... Um... It's sort of serious, taking it seriously that the, they were obviously all aiming for because if if one part of the production team or the cast was aiming for something slightly different it would be completely off kilter and it wouldn't mm. be as enjoyable to watch as it is it's I mean these I did, two, um... Katie, Katie and David together are just so good I did uh, Nightmare of Eden recently. Now, I really like that story, but the performances in that, they're, they're all from different... They're all coming at it from a different... Like, Louis Fiander's Trist and Della. Yeah. Della's playing it very naturalistically, yeah. and Trist is just somewhere in the stratosphere. So when they're in a scene together, it's like, well, what is this? Like, is this a drama or is this a comedy? Like, what am I watching? <laughs> There's none of that here, though, is it? There's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, on the same page. They've had a tone meeting or something, you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to individual directors as well, and whether or not they're visual directors or maybe actors directors. Um, uh, and this is pitched the same consistently from from episode one to episode four. It, it is. It's all one piece. Uh, it's not like trying to put three different jigsaws together at the same time. Well, I think Paradise House is another really good example of like a director and a writer and a cast all on different pages. And it just pulls you in 10 directions. And it's a very confusing, albeit enjoyable experience. Whereas there's just a uniformity yes, yeah. to this, isn't there? There's a confidence to it. 
And, I think and that's, that's, quite, that's I think one of the strengths of the Pertwee era, though. Yeah, Sorry, it's true. That is true. Oh, you, well, you think you think there's like a general uniformity of the entire era. Uh, each season, yeah, I do. Yeah, um, you don't really get uh, that. There's there's a general consistent through tone with Pertwee um, that carries all the way through from season seven through to season eleven. Uh, the, the way that he plays the Doctor softens over time um, for the better, um, but 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 they're all they're all parts of the same engine, you know, and they're all bringing us a, a consistent end result. Um, whether some you know, of those stories story. are well loved or not, but <laughs> well, quiet. There's a story that absolutely exemplifies what you're saying there because there's a mixture of genres within it and that's carnival of monsters there's a historical element to it there's a future element to it there's a monster element to it and it just sings those all those genres kind of collide but there's such a confidence to how it's presented that yes. it doesn't matter i imagine like that in season 24 would just be all over the bloody place you know now of course this was a a parallel of uh, the United Kingdom joining the EU. And this is a very mm. political Doctor Who story. Um, and a lot of the Pertwee era is very political. Um, and I wonder if that sort of sense of, of the real encroaching into fiction is part of what makes this era of Doctor Who work so well, because there was so much happening in the world uh, and the world was getting big uh, smaller and smaller all of the time um and our understanding of the world was getting bigger and bigger um and we were we were reaching out to other nations and other communities and saying well let's all work together for an end goal i still you're think breaking my Mr. heart Trip right now jeff <laughs> you are breaking my bloody heart i'm talking about <laughs> well there's an optimism isn't there um yeah i, I kind of I'm kind of glad we never got the the Pexit story, where Pexit exits the Federation uh, on TV, um, because that would have been too depressing and too close to the bone. I think um, this, this is this is about people reaching out into the universe and embracing it and, and wanting to be a part of it, a part of something bigger. Like, don't listen to Terence Dix, who, I mean, the man can spin an anecdote, but he goes, you know, we were not politically motivated. This was not... I, I'm sorry, you've got Malcolm Hulk on your writing staff, who's absolutely, yeah. like, you know, a left-winger. You've got Barry Letts on your writing staff, who wants to change the world in uh, yeah. regards to environmentalism. You've got Bob Baker and Dave Martin on your script, and they, they're banging out scripts about, you know, the decline of the British Empire... And things like that. Don't tell me these scripts aren't politically motivated. Absolute bollocks. I think because everything was so politically charged at the time, it couldn't help but bleed through into these very intelligent and very uh, opinionated writers' works. Um, especially someone like uh, Malcolm Hull. Um, who, I, I love his stories because they're so bloody political. I like the fact that Malcolm Holt is 
um, a sensitive enough writer to look at his own uh, like political leanings and criticize that. He does that innovation and does that. Like I think yes, he looks yeah. at someone said this recently. He looks at the Green Death, which is very left wing, and you know, <laughs> people polluting the planet are evil, and the people from the Nut Hutch are all fabulous and charming and wonderful. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think it's as simple as that. I'm going to have these environmentalists actually want to change the world, but do it in the most appalling way possible, you know, and and suggest that actually there is there is extremes in both directions it's going back to what we talked about between between recording the episodes it's about extremism can come from any and every direction um it's not all coming from uh the sort of like the fascistic angle it it can come from the right is not always black and the left is not always white Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's it's, yeah. Exactly that. We're it's all shades of grey, and we all have our own personal uh, needs and wants for life and for the world, and for the world that we're leaving our children and our children's children, and for the future of humanity. Now, some people don't see past the end of their next week, whereas some people see a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years in the future, and where will we be then? Um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky old world. You know isn't what's it? interesting about um, it, well, if this is like a parallel to the European Union. Yeah. What's interesting then, and I think perhaps a little unfortunate, is when we skip forward to the monster of Peladon, where Peladon is absolutely a part of the space EU. It ain't doing them any favors whatsoever, and they're being exploited. Okay, by by villains and things. <laughs> Yeah. They're not in a good place, are they? No. Um, and maybe that's why Curse of Peladon's optimism works slightly better for viewers than Monster of Peladon's uh, cynicism. Um, I, I think Monster is a more cynical story. I it's... still, like, I, I hate to say this, but I will, I will forgive Monster of Peladon anything for that one moment where... Uh... Eckersley's got the queen, right? And they're surrounded by corpses in the mine. Like, everyone's been murdered. And she goes, what have you done? And he just goes, never mind. And just... <laughs> I, love... I don't know why I love that scene so much. He is Monster's bad great. and he's in black leather. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, Mon- Monster's a great How story. You... It's... Go on. Sorry, I was going to say, how do you rate Hepesh as a villain? Is he a villain? Is he a villain? And because we see in Monster Peladon that actually maybe he was right in the long run. Um, That yes, they were just going to get used for their resources. Yes, they were just a pawn in in a bigger game. Um, but he doesn't have to be such a dick about it, does he? So, uh, and maybe that's that's, what, that's his falling down. He's um, he's a bit of a dick about it, um, and he's got a good frown. Uh, and any anyone with a good frown c- can be a convincing villain. It's a terrific, as a great performance, isn't it? But like he, he's he's that person that's trying to hold on to tradition, isn't he, in the old ways? 
that old that old hoary old cliche. But I think it's done quite sensitively. I think it is done quite sensitively, especially at the end. Um, uh, and we see the real Hepesh rather than the Bravura Hepesh. Um, yeah. it's, it's a sad story about uh, a boy losing two fathers. Um, he loses yeah. one at the beginning yeah. and he loses one at the end um, and has to, has and the, to forge his own When he dies at the end, he, he, um, King Peladon literally is in tears, isn't he? And he goes mm. up to him and, and he's really lamenting that even though he's caused all this bloody drama, it's really touching. But he's, the villain never knows they're the villain because they have to have, they have to have something that they believe in for them to make, make them fight against the tide. Um, and Hepesh is a is a classic example of that. A brilliant one because he absolutely thinks he's doing the right thing, doesn't he? And I think actually yeah. the moments where Doctor Who don't work is where it's like Ainley's master. There's no motive; he's just a villain, you know, and he's just being villainous. And it can be fun, don't get me wrong, but it's like yes, you yeah. can't believe in that character at all. He's just he's just a panto villain, you know, and he's doing ridiculous things. But there's a world of difference between, say, Hepesh and Amy's master, isn't there? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're poles apart. Um, uh, but I love them both. <laughs> um, because there's room in Doctor Who for every type of villain. What um, what Monster of Peladon does, it subverts that cliche, because you have, what is it, Ortron in Monster of Peladon. Yeah. And he starts off doing exactly the Hepesh thing of, like, you know... I'm going to wrestle control from the queen and I'm going to, and then somewhere halfway through the story, when the ice warriors come in and start blasting the shit out of everybody, he's like, actually, do you know what? I'm going to work with you. Let's get rid of them, you know? And so you think he's going to be Hepesh and actually he turns out to be one of the heroes of Monster of Peladon, which is quite nice. Oh, look who it is. It's Fluffy Agador. Clock lead up half one meaning clench at all, not all, not all. Now, look, Pert, we wouldn't have been doing this in series seven, season seven. It, like, no. he's comfortable enough to hypnotize a fluffy bear now. Yeah, exactly. And bring a little bit more of his, his strengths, which was comedic acting. Um, but he does it with a subtle. I think um, he does it just enough to get away with it uh, and not spoil the illusion Joe does this once oh, a year doesn't she every year she just blunders in and ruins it he's like Joe, Joe no Joe oh but it's always this bit now with the best of the, intentions he does the mirror and she's like yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant empathy do you know there's a wonderful scene um go back to hepesh a second there's a wonderful scene i think it's at the beginning of episode four where they like the doctor knows that hepesh has been behind all of this and causing all these issues and there's like it's been unacknowledged to a point and then they have a scene together where he's like you're a wily old fellow aren't you hepesh like that and hepesh just goes do you know what I'm going to leave this door open for you and just go, just go. So like, 
he's not even behaving like a typical villain. He's basically saying to Doctor Gordon, "Fuck off," and I'll just get on with my plans. You know, like he, he's he's acting like someone who just doesn't want this to be happening to him now. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, if if they were trying to join the Galactic Federation in 20, 30 years' time, it wouldn't even have been an issue because Hepesh wasn't there. Uh wouldn't have been there. Um, if they had tried to have joined before Hepesh, uh, when when Peladon's father married an Earth woman. Um, but it just... it just You and I... It's someone stuck in their time, isn't it? Um, and they're just in the wrong you place. You and I were talking a minute time. ago... Well, we we were talking about gay rights. We were talking about trans rights, and yeah. you know, in the eighties stroke nineties, there were absolute hepeshes there saying gay people should not have rights. Now we've got ridiculous people saying that trans people should not have rights and not be a, like hepesh is almost like a symbol, isn't it, of all those people that have basically said progress should not be happening. You know. Absolutely, it's it's anti-progression. It's it's. I would rather stagnate in comfort and um, and the comfort of what I know, than broaden my horizon into the unknown because the unknown is scary. Um, mm. And I think that that's often a, a driving force of what we would see as poor behaviour, maybe or or a bad take. Um, but it, it often it comes from fear. It comes from yeah, fear of maybe admitting things to oneself. It comes from a fear of of just something being outside of your experience, and anything that's outside of your experience is scary. Uh, and that's what happens. Yeah, is. a lack of a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. Now, I said to you off mic a minute ago, and I absolutely have. Like no um, problems, like admitting this on my, uh, I'm polygamous, and mm. uh, and I have faced in the last year as I've kind of come to terms with this, I have faced hepeshes. I'm going to use hepesh now as the ultimate symbol for this. Yeah. But people saying, you know, you're selfish, you're uh, you're greedy, you're you know, and and absolutely pushing against a lifestyle that they would never entertain. And that's kind of what he's doing here, isn't it? Yes, yes. And it's a case of, are you going to be someone who um, fights against other people living their own lives? Or are you going to be the type of person that says, knock yourself out, have fun, don't hurt anyone yeah. on the way? It's, it's, it's very different types of people, isn't it? Um, and it's Actually, also no. different... Hepesh is, don't you? He's he's all of those old people that are on their way out, forgive me, um, that voted for bloody Brexit and voted for the next generation. He is that old man saying, No, I like it, you know, this I want it this way, so it's gonna stay this way, you know. Are we saying Hepesh is Nigel Farage? Is that what we're saying with the beard? But well, I think Hepesh is a bit more charming, but yeah, basically. A little less weaselly. Yes. A little less sea devilly. Yeah. 
but but basically Hemmings is an old man, isn't he? And he's saying this is how things should he's be. He's an old scared though... man who's looking death in the face, and while he's looking death in the face, he's looking at the change of everything that he knew in the face as well. Um, and that's too much for him to bear. Although you know, I have heard an argument that um, absolutely, you know, older generations should have their say and um, be able to impact society whilst they're still around and you know i do kind of agree with that as well so i'm a bit double standards there no 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 absolutely everyone regardless of age gender or or ethnicity or anything has a right to a voice but no one person's right to a voice is greater than any others Uh, and age and experience frankly doesn't come into it um uh, because if you if you have grown as a person you are open to change and you are open to progress and you are open to maybe considering something from a different point of view mm. i'll tell you what there's something we can all agree on and that is that this is a fabulous action sequence occurring right now on film on film uh, there's some great direction as well there uh, and yes we know it's terry walsh kicking ass um but then there's enough of pertwee in there and he's doing enough to be convincing choking him there he's choking him for that wowzers you know every time i always want to uh i always have a song playing in my head every time pertwee's like hi and that is i need a hero i'm holding up for a hero to the end of the night <laughs> IKEA. Now, is this a confusing cliffhanger? Because there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there, and it's left deliberately vague to make us come back next week and tune in for Doctor Who at the same time, the same place. It's it's doing what a cliffhanger needs to do. It's saying, "Whoa." This this is an input of information that I don't yet have all of the context to be able to process. And in the uh, commentary, interesting, Barry Letts and Terence Dix both say, "Oh, it's very confusing the direction here. Like you can't figure out what's like." No, that's the point. The point is yeah. is we're not supposed to know because at this point, there's still the possibility that the Ice Warriors could be the baddies. We're still used to that level of mistrust of the ice warriors and because they're the established villains um it's very cleverly i think it's very clever um so i do who am i to disagree with uh let's and dicks but i disagree with let's and dicks i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) chaps 